0: Welcome to the Business Design Podcast.
1: I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on today's Business Design Podcast, we're going to a mystery location. Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle of somewhere. Yeah, and it's not far from there either. But it's, it's not too far from nowhere. Yeah. Well, you may, it may not be nowhere, but you can probably see it from there. But I'm not sure I could be wrong. So it's a mystery destination. Could be out of the way, though. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mystery destination, and we were lucky to actually find our way there to meet Mary Meston.
0: Yeah, Um, double M, M &M, M&M, two M's. M Powered is the name of her company, which is cool. This whole interview is about
1: mm's. There was a lot of Ms. There was also a lot of knee-jerk reactions, so... I think this was a very interesting interview for that reason alone. Yeah, it's probably one of the most fun interviews I think we've had. Uh, Mary
0: rolled with the punches. We went really far ranging, which, I mean, she had us laughing. She also had us really teary-eyed at one point, a very moving story about her family. And I mean, heck, this was was a
1: keeper. Yeah, so grab a box of tissues. Grab a glass of red wine, listen to this one, relax, kick back, have a laugh, and have a cry. It's amazing. Mary Meston. Nice to
0: see you, Mary. You have one of the most incredible backgrounds of anybody we've ever spoken to, Not, not your professional background. We can talk about that later. <laughs> but the actual background behind you, people can't see you, so I have to say... We've got some gorgeous colors on the book rack there, which are not – they're not uh, rainbow – they're not organized by rainbow. What are they organized by?
2: Well, they are semi-rainbow, if you look there. Not on that one. But, yes, the background is a little bit of everything that's really important to me or I find inspiring, and given the work I do – I've found the number of people, just like you, find something of interest and personal in my background, and it's a great way to start a conversation. And, you yeah, know, those books are semi, they're semi-rainbow-ish. They were meant to, so they, all the books don't look like so many. Because if you put them by, by color, it's not as busy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's. Behind me is the exact opposite. <laughs> behind me is a bunch of books that are not organized in any color order.
2: But they probably are by preference. And I bet if I name the book, you know exactly where to find it.
0: Theoretically, that would be the case. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Now I have to get the attention off of me. What What is that gorgeous, strange feather behind oh, you?
2: that is actually a Quilly Award. Actually, it was in a best-selling book with Jack Canfield about five years ago. And it, that Cooley Award is actually made by the same people that make the Oscars, the Statues. So it is quite heavy. And it, it is, people go, what is that? And it again, it's a conversation starter. Um, so that is my one proud moment of being in Hollywood five years ago and, and kind of pretending I was a star for a couple hours.
0: I like that. Yeah. I like that. And it is a beautiful looking award. Randy, any, any feathers to tickle Mary here?
1: <laughs> I I feel totally outclassed because I don't even have a bookshelf behind me. So there's, there's nothing that's appealing with me. But tell me about the Quilly. So you wrote mm-hmm. with Jack. Canfield?
2: Jack Canfield. There's actually a book publisher out there that works for people that are either in the coaching space or the entrepreneurial space and works on compilation books. And I got the opportunity to be in the uh, Road to Success with Jack Canfield five years ago. And with all of that, got to meet him, spend a couple days with him, brought a lot of the authors together. And my particular piece in that was was uh, part of my confidence coaching program which is really I call it the diamond method uh, now I may or may not call it that depending on the, on the audience but it's really about the cycle of confidence and that's what I wrote about in there and we got to go to a large event and get our pictures taken and get this lovely award and it is um, quite heavy so it did have to ship it it doesn't really go well on a plane how do you explain that one right <laughs> <laughs> So I did ship it back rather than carry it back. But it is a great conversation starter.
0: It does, does kind of look like a weapon if you think of it that way, I suppose. <laughs> it is pretty, <laughs> it's it's substantial. quite
2: heavy. It is quite heavy. And I didn't want to take the chance.
0: So another random mm-hmm. and strange uh, thing to ask you at the start of the conversation. I notice you, like I, are crooked on the left side. Are you right-brained? Are you very I'm creative? Kind of on the right.
2: uh, wow. So I'm right-handed, I'm left-brained, but I work on my right. And I'm crooked on my left side, this side?
0: So go like go like this or go like that? To the listeners, I'm asking her to scrunch up her smile one direction or the other.
2: Right? Squinting on the right side is easier.
0: It's easier? How about yeah. the, the smile?
2: <laughs> okay, guys, if you can see this, it looks really weird. Um... So know. listeners,
1: you're truly missing out. You, We need to put this one on video and <laughs> show it because <And laughs> right now like- we've got Mary making faces and Kent laughing his ass off <laughs> and um, it's awesome.
2: <laughs> it's like, how can you get people to make embarrassing movements on video camera?
0: So, so you're left brains. Uh, oh, yeah. So how did that come to play in your early childhood? <laughs>
2: oh, left brain. A left-brainer is very organized, process-driven, linear, and how did it play in my childhood? Basically, how do I put this politely, but I was kind of the parent in the family. I have three brothers, two of them older, one not. He is my twin, uh, but I was a parent to all three of them at any one time. So I was kind of, I didn't really necessarily have that uh, childhood, but I was an adult way too early. So now I'm, I'm going into my first childhood. And that's why you see what you can't see behind me, because they're hidden right now, is I have tons of stuffed animals in here, too. <laughs> but they're hidden behind me to give me a professional image.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how stuffed animals ever became something for kids only. I think they are absolutely boss. I'm a big fan of stuffed things. Awesome. Because, I mean, you, you know like hunter men who like to kill things they put them up on the wall they stuff them right yes i don't like killing animals but i do like stuffed things <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay <laughs> so i don't see a stuffed animal behind you or are they buried so that you look professional as oh, well? i
0: have i have 75 right here no i'm kidding i actually oh, okay. don't have any on my shelves but i was looking to uh,
2: see mine are, yeah mine are kind of buried i could always show them if you want I think
0: it. I need Randy to help rescue this
1: interview. I've gone fully off the rails this afternoon. Yeah, well, I don't have a stuffed animal, but I do have this, which is close.
2: What is? It's
1: this is a this is a dammit
2: doll. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay.
1: When your days are but full of stress really and your workloads are mess, you just okay. pick up your dammit doll and beat it up. Anyway, we've got off. We've got off. We've top.
2: gone off the rails. Yes.
1: Let me bring that back. So. We were talking about hunters, we were talking about killing animals, or Kent was because he always goes there, and he doesn't like killing animals, but he always goes there. So I'm going to go back to the days where people had to kill animals to survive, and it was the fastest hunters who caught the biggest game. And when I look at your website and when I look at your About Us, you motivate individuals, teams, and companies to move forward faster. Uh, Did you like how I brought faster in there? I was
2: wondering where that was going to (laughs) go.
1: How do you do that?
2: How do you do that? Well, you get behind them with a whip and I'll, no, I'm just um, faster. (laughs) Um, And that's interesting. Let me, two things. I will tell you how, and I will offer that. I don't know if it was the fastest hunter that got the biggest game. Sometimes it's that quiet hidden hunter that new strategy and technique. That said, faster. Faster is relative. Um, And I think possibly the best way to put it is, let's say, more efficient with better outcomes, which typically means faster and easier on people, i.e. less stress. A lot of the work I do is really based on getting people very clear, helping people get clear, and it sounds so very simple but and so basic, but it is really foundational and fundamental. And with clarity, either what the strategy is, the goal is, the measures are, there's less, less time lost in iteration or reiteration or reclarifying and or missed targets. So any and all of that put together gets you there faster.
1: So in the business world, we often hear people say you can have it inexpensively, Mm-hmm. You can have it done really, really well, or you can have it done quickly, but you can't have all three. You can only have two. Do you agree with that?
2: You hear me sigh here. I did. I would hate to, uh, to fully agree because I don't think each choice is separate. I think I do believe, and again, anytime I worked with projects and, and large transformation, there's time, scope, and budget, and all three of those interplay. So, I mean, some would say if you throw a ton of money at it, well, you can get it well and fast. Not necessarily. You know, quickly does not necessarily get you well. So it really depends it Depends on how you structure it. Again, I mean, it sounds like I'm a broken record, but I'm going to go back to with clarity, you can get it done well with a medium amount of spend and presumably on time, i.e., you know, as quickly as possible. It really is about balancing all three of those. It, what's, what's interesting, and I was talking to someone the other day about, I work a lot with senior executives, corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and we often are working about how do you balance the tensions that are inherent in everything? And just like you shared, you know, how time, scope, money, how do you balance those for most effect? And the easy answer is throw a ton of money at it or, you know, don't throw any money at it. And take it forever. I mean, those are the easy ends on that spectrum. It's really about balancing and harmonizing all those variables. It really gets you the the best outcome.
1: So I remember, I'm old enough to remember the 70s and 80s, and nobody ever got fired for using Big Blue, which was IBM. Mm-hmm. This is before the personal computers came on the scene. This was way back when nobody cared except for the name of the organization you were wanting to work with. So if you paid a lot of money and got IBM to do the job, it was always going to be a success. That seems to have changed somewhat.
2: Um, Absolutely. We've, and I can remember the 70s and 80s too. I won't tell you how I remember them and how little I remember them, but (laughs) the, the, the fact that in that era, and particularly I started my career somewhat back in there, it was whom you worked with and big names, logos are what won the day. And now we see as we've progressed now over several decades, and particularly in the new millennia, that it is really big names are almost archaic. You know, if you hear it's a big one, people assume hierarchy, bureaucracy, slowdown. And it is very much more that that able or agile, an overused phrase right now, but that agile, flexible player. That tends to be in the middle space. Um, And then there's always what we call unicorns or the up-and-comers, right, or the disruptors. That's another phrase that's being used for those smaller companies, entities, or teams that are breaking into the space. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of all the people I speak with and a number of that big corporate logo or big blue or, you know, name those top few logos. People almost think... Oh my goodness, overspend in too much time is almost a knee-jerk now.
0: Interesting. Uh knee-jerk <laughs> reaction. It just brings to mind really fun scenes from my youth, I guess. Okay. If we go back to you with your three knee-jerk brothers, <laughs> how did you how did you rule the roost? <laughs>
2: I, I love where this goes. This is so unusual. Knee-jerk brothers. Well, that's very good. I did have three. Would they be knee-jerks? And knee-jerk, I use that phrase as it's... it's reactive. It's reactive, exactly. You yeah. make, it's very full of assumptions in the second, right? Each of them are very different.
0: Are they all Are they all still doing okay?
2: Um, thank you. No, one has passed. Um I'm so I give sorry. You, I'll give you a big bit my two older brothers are quite a bit older than I am and one we lost a couple of years ago. The other oh. is doing okay. He's getting frustrated with his age. And then my twin and I um are, are doing quite well. Or very similar but very different. And when I say knee jerk, each of them had I think we all know this when you have if you have siblings, we all have those triggers that you can set off in each other. They knew <laughs> no. mine well and I knew theirs well. <laughs> <laughs> And and thus, if you're capable in managing those triggers, you can get a lot of stuff done.
0: So how did they set you off? What was, set the, what was your trigger?
2: Okay. Please forgive me, twin brother, if you ever hear this.
0: <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> he was a master at I can't do things, or he would do it poorly, so I ended up with all the chores.
0: Smart guy. I now
2: realize he did that. It took me many years to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. um, and he now admits to that. The eldest brother, uh, and he knows this, I've called him this, he's a crusty marshmallow. So he's, he's really curt on the outside, kind of gruff, but the sweetest man at heart. And so he would do pull the angry trigger, you know, the scary, loud voice trigger. The middle brother, who is has since passed, he was an unusual gentleman. And unfortunately, was not the nicest of people. And he could just basically set you off by looking at him. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he unfortunately had, has a past with, had, because he is no longer here, had a past with um, various, I'm trying. I'm struggling here, entities, prison systems, jail systems. Yes. So he was, wow. yeah, he, he had a criminal, several criminal records. So, yeah.
0: So with that, <laughs> you know, kind of environment around you, right? So wonderful, crazy amazing, terrible, kind of both, right? That oscillating reality of what siblinghood is and family is, how does that inform what you do? I mean, what you do for a living and how you work with with, uh, companies and so on.
2: That's incredibly insightful and I've never quite been asked like that. And that's just a lovely observation. I think that sense of oscillation built in for me, adaptability and capability and flexibility And also to deal in the moment with whatever's coming at you. And actually my work with with teams, entrepreneurs, as well as senior executives right now, is we work with that oscillation. You look at that tension, right? And you look at, you know, you can be reactive or responsive. And what what are the options there? To just be very conscious in your choices, either in decision making, uh, in strategy, you know, people onboarding, who you're going to hire, who you're going to fire, it very much so helps you realize that you have a continuum of responses and not just quote unquote that knee jerk one. Though I still use the knee jerk with my brothers, it still works.
1: So I, I'm loving the knee jerk theme and I want to <laughs> I want to go there even a bit more. Okay. It, so in a business sense, when you're working with a, a leader, what sort of things can they say that Create that knee-jerk response in you, and you have to tamp that down. And say, "Hang on, hang on. That's just a, a thing from the past that's being dredged up."
2: How how they basically trigger me versus yeah. I trigger them? Yeah. Interesting. I'm and, and just thinking of a couple incidents that have happened in the last couple of weeks. One thing that is a knee-jerk for me is, and it's it's an executive response where they consider everything they've done is perfect. So they're in the place I've done no wrong. So they're not willing to delve into looking, what were the alternatives? And that shutdown, that really can put a wall up in me. And I now know that I then need to probe and push back on them. It's Some would often say it's that unco- uncoachable moment when they are like, they're unopened, they're not open to any feedback. And that can put a wall in me. My typical would in life, I would make a choice of do I do I or don't I want to respond in my coaching? I must respond because if they're doing that to me, I suspect they're doing that to people that work for them. And that, that's that's the big one that has hit. I don't have many of those often now because I've worked with some people for quite a length of time and they've moved beyond that. They know that they need to look at the continuum and never assume perfection and not expect perfection
1: so we hear a lot about emotional quotient which is part of what you're talking about I suspect leaders today do they have the emotional stability or the emotion the eq that you would expect from people who have been subjected to rapid advancement in the business world mm-hmm. they don't have forty years of experience so they've got up there quickly have they have they developed the Eq that they need
2: Wow again there's not a Overall, one answer to that, I would say three things have come up for me. Despite how quickly someone has advanced, there are some leaders that have exceptional EQ, be it early in their careers, and some then acquire over time and experience. But just because someone has been around a long time doesn't mean they have strong EQ, right? Nor just because someone advanced quickly means that. In fact, I'm thinking of two specific individuals I'm, I'm dealing with right now, and one is exceptionally is strong EQ and quickly advanced, uh, but is also aware that with being so quick to advance, he would love to have more experience behind him in making those decisions. So he actually has kind of, quote-unquote, one, one would say, self-doubt, because it's come so quickly, right? There had been that axiom in the past where... Longer you do something and the assumption is you're good at it, you're brilliant, you're top of the game, and that you have to be there longer, that doesn't necessarily hold true anymore on either side. So if someone says to me, well, I've done this for 30 years, yeah, I've done this for three years, okay? Either or doesn't necessarily define how emotionally capable they are
0: really interesting conversation wide wide ranging for sure i'll i'll throw another wrench in here because you're you're really fun to to talk with uh with (laughs) particularly (laughs) with respect to just throwing wrenches at you and seeing what amazing things you'll say the word coach is such Mm -hmm. a funny word and how it has evolved i i've I've worked with a lot of speaker trainer coach folks and Mm You know, fifteen years ago, it wasn't a thing as much, right? It was a sort of a cutting edge thing. Now everybody's a coach, even if you're. Yeah. Randy likes to say this, even though you're like you know nineteen and <laughs> have no experience, you, you sort of coach people on their lives, right? Mm-hmm. What What does it mean today to be a coach, and what is it that um, yeah that you do for a living, and who would you like to reach out to? Wow,
2: that is that is such a full full discussion. So I too agree. I mean, the term coach now is, is used incredibly broadly and means so many different things and doesn't necessarily hold true to what the intent was. So I, and you mentioned the journey to 15, 20 some years ago, coaching was kind of the new thing. And the joke had been people use the word consultant for, to cover the periods of unemployment, employment gaps. And then it became where some people believe the word coach is used to cover those employment gaps. Unfortunately, it does dilute the value of both of those, you know, in the past consulting, now currently coaching. And yes, someone, depending on what you coach, if you're 18 and you want to coach on, you know, marital strife and you haven't ever been married, that doesn't work, right? Currently coaching, and I'm personally, you can see I'm a little disturbed that it is somewhat diluted. Coaching to me is actually... I consider it as being an advisory and a guide. And in fact, when I spoke with the CEO of a firm I'm working with right now, he said, you know, what makes a coach a coach versus an advisor, a consultant, or a therapist? And actually, I think they're all actually on a continuum at some level. You know, an advisor tells you what to do. A consultant says, I will do it. A coach says, how can I help you do it? And a therapist says, you know, why did you do it? What did you, What happened to you in your, you know, your family of origin to make you do that, right? So to stay in coaching, you have to be clear that you're not solving it for folks, but helping them best solve their own issue because they are capable. And so that's where I stay when I coach. Who do I like to work with? Who do I work with? The best, the most success I've had and success being value for the client as well as from the experience for myself, you know, mutually on both sides is either the the small business entrepreneur Generally in the female female gender space, generally something cutting edge, and or actually larger firms. Um, I've, I've worked with Fortune 50s, Fortune 500s. I'm currently with a 500. But it's really more about where that senior executive and senior executive team, where they want the company to go. And if they're into significant transformation, that's the best place to play for me. And that's where I have the best success.
0: And where can folks find you if they want to reach out?
2: Uh, At my house. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my address. (laughs) they work from home, work from wherever, right? Uh, You can actually, I'm all over social media. I'm trying to be really good and consistent about it, but that is something that is just, I've not been consistent and I will be. You can reach me at empoweredsolutionsgroup.com. It's M, not E-M, but empoweredsolutionsgroup.com and that's on t- on twitter on instagram actually that is uh, the url i just gave you and you can also look me up cuz i actually have my personal instagram as well as facebook my name mary meston
0: and i get it so the m powered uh-huh. your your name is two ms right the m m yes. m powered yes. got it Yeah. Got it.
2: and what is interesting so so i don't know if you want this tidbit my maiden name is doesn't is not an m it was a p but i've been mm for quite a length of time and i've actually always said you're empowered and that's one of the phrases i've used for 20 something 30 years with people how can we empower you and so people gave me that phrase you're empowered and so actually it's it's kind of acknowledging years and years of different clients and people have worked with me to say you know you have empowered behind you me mary
1: Well, I'm just thankful that you actually did have M in your name because P-Power just doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, Mary, thank you so
0: much for chatting with us. And we apologize on behalf of the whole institution.
2: The institution and the world, or
0: no? uh, the whole everybody on earth. We we apologize.
2: Well, thank you for that. That's quite imp- that's quite an empowered phrase to be able to p- apologize for the entire world. Yeah, it's
0: the first time I've ever done it. So <laughs> there we go. Take care. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you, guys. It has been fun.
1: Thank you, Mary. I. Wow, what a story. Being a twin, having three brothers, and effectively being a mom at an early age is an interesting way to start a career talking with and helping corporates develop teams that can move faster and do bigger things. There's definitely a connection, and thank you for for talking about that so openly.
0: Very moving to hear about your brothers and it's so amazing to me to think about how early childhood and how we grow up influences what we do for a living. So it's inspiring to hear what you're doing right now. And, yeah, I don't know, Randy, uh, makes me want to go get some m and
1: Yeah, but, you know, lots of things can influence your thinking and your career direction. And even we can, Dr. K, because our website, www.votpartnergroup.com, has a little assessment that may just influence your career. So, why don't you guys go there, fill out the assessment, we'll spend a minute and send some responses back to you. You know what they call M&M's in Germany? M&M's? m ms <laughs> <laughs> Smarties. Smarties. Yeah. Yeah. They call them Smarties in England and Australia too, but they're not M M's. No they way. Don't, they don't have M's on them. Well,
0: they're like off-brand, yeah. But they're the same thing. I mean, it's got a candy, candy holes and like the chocolate inside. You know? Yeah. And the
1: yeah, absolutely. the Smarties.
0: Now, peanut M and M's. Those are special. So if if you're if you're like a, a peanut with a candy shell, come on over to CrazyMBA.com. Perfect.
1: So let's go there and take a look.